This is chapter 38 this morning. Uh, we take a little side trip away from Joseph. Chapter 38 is really about Jacob and Tamar. Or not Jacob and Tamar. Who is this? But anyway, that's a senior moment when you can't even remember. Anyway, Joseph, Jacob's son, has been sold into slavery by his brothers. And he's been sold to a eunuch uh, of Pharaoh's court. Potiphar is captain of the guard. That's who Joseph has been sold to. And then we have chapter 38 that deals with Judah, uh, a son of Jacob and Leah. Judah has been chosen by God, and he's been chosen to be the ancestor of the Messiah. Messiah will come through the tribe of Judah. Chapter 38, it gives us the account of Judah and Tamar, uh, and Tamar is Judah's daughter-in-law. God cares who is in the lineage of his son. Uh, and it's interesting as we read about some of the people that are in the lineage of Messiah, uh, it's not necessarily a group of people that we would look upon and say, hey, they have royalty about them. No, they're, they're just ordinary people with sinful natures like yours and mine. But royalty and kingdoms do not impress the God of this universe. In Second Chronicles 16.9, a very popular verse, we read that, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking. He's looking for, seeking out men and women who desire to live a life that's pleasing to him. A person whose life is loyal to God. And in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, there are several women that are listed, and they're non-Jewish women. Women who we would look upon as having questionable character. We have Rahab, a native of Jericho, a Canaanite, uh, was a harlot by profession. And then after Israel takes uh, Jericho, she marries Salmon. And uh, But she was a harlot. And we have Ruth, a Moabite. And she persuades uh, Boaz to marry her by spending the night sleeping at his feet in the same bed while he's intoxicated. And we go, hmm, there you go. And then there's Bathsheba, a Hittite who commits adultery with David and then becomes his wife after David has her husband killed. And today we get into Tamar. And we'll read about Tamar in chapter 38 here. But all four of these women would be looked down upon by even today's society. They're women of questionable character who come into the family, into the line of Judah, into the lineage of Messiah. And God brings these women into the Jewish lineage of Jesus 
And the only reason I can see that he does it, he just wants to show his grace. He wants to prove to the world that his eyes do run to and fro across the whole earth, looking for hearts that are loyal to him. And he doesn't respect race or creed or nationalities or anything like that. He looks upon the heart. God has chosen the Jewish people to be his people before they were anything of respect. (laughs) Uh, It's good for us to understand that the same God that chose the Jewish people to be his people, he's chose you and I to be his people. (laughs) And we were born, and before we even born, he, uh, he put it in, our heart and our nature to accept him as savior. What a wonderful act of grace, astounding grace. But let's look at chapter 38 here and we'll see how God has separated Judah and Tamar to be in the lineage of his own son. It's a interesting chapter to say the least. Chapter 38, and it came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited certain Adullamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. And she conceived yet again and bore a son and called his name Shelah. He was at Shebez when she bore him. Then Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. Yow. <laughs> Just like that. And Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and marry her, and raise up an heir to your brother. So Onan knew that the heir would not be his, and it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he emitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore the Lord killed him also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till my son Shelah is grown. For he said, Lest he also die like his brothers. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Now in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up to the sheep shears at Timnah, he and his friend Hira the Dolomite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear the sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, wrapped herself, and sat in the open place which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and and he was not given to her as a husband. When Judah saw her, he thought that she was a harlot, because she had covered her face. Then he turned to her by the way and said, Please let me come into you. And he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, What will you give me that you may come into me? And he said, I will send a young goat from the flock. So she said, 
Will you give me a pledge till you send it? Then he said, What pledge shall I give you? So she said, Your signet and cord and your staff that is in your hand. Then he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. So she arose and went away and laid aside her veil and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend the Adullamite to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Then he asked the men of the place, saying, Where is the harlot who was openly at the roadside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also the men of the place said, There was no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, Let her take for, for herself, lest we take them for herself, lest we be shamed. For I sent this young goat, and you have not found her. Then it came to pass, after about three months, after that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. So Judah said, Bring her out and let her be burned. And when she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man to whom these belongs, I am with child. And she said, Please determine who these, the signet cord and staff, who they belong to. So Judah, Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I, because I did not give to her Sheila my son. And he never knew her again. Now it came to pass at the time for giving birth that, behold, twins were in her womb. And so it was when she was giving birth that the one put his, out his hand, and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand, saying, This one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly, and she said, How did you break through? This breach be upon you. Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterwards his brother came out, who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zira. What a story. And we have this chapter just kind of placed right in there. But God wants us to look at this chapter. And uh, you wonder, or at least I did, I wonder, well, Lord, why, why do you put this right in the middle of the lineage of Jacob and his sons and Joseph and all this? And <clears throat> God wants us to study this chapter. That's all I can tell you. So we will. Judah has found it necessary in his life to depart from his family, mainly his brothers. Simeon and Levi, his older brothers, uh, his full brothers, they have kill, killed all the male inhabitants of Shechem. His half-brothers of the concubines have lied to his dad and sold Joseph into slavery. And perhaps, and I'd say perhaps, there is some moral disgust in Judah, and he departs from his family, mainly his brothers. Judah goes out, and he find, finds a woman, a Canaanite woman, and he marries her, and she conceives and gives him three sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. They grow into young men, and Judah arranges a wife, a marriage, for his his uh, firstborn, Ur. Tamar is this wife. In verse 7, But Ur 
Judas's firstborn was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. Pretty starking. <laughs> that startled you. Judah, he was raised in a dysfunctional family. He goes out, he marries a Canaanite, and Ur is the offspring of a dysfunctional Judah and a Canaanite woman. And Ur is wicked in the sight of the Lord. There is a judgmental side to God where he will judge sin instantly. He's not always long-suffering in patience with wickedness. Sometimes he judges it instantly. And this is one of those cases where God judged sin instantly. And scripture makes no apology whatsoever for God slaying Ur. It simply tells us Ur was wicked, God killed him. This is the same God that we read about in our scripture reading this morning who breathed life into a pile of dust and created man. And God can and does kill men, some men, at his own discretion. And this can mess with our mind and our image of God. So how did God kill Ur? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. He could have simply said, stop breathing earth. And he could breathe no more. Could have been a massive heart attack. We don't know. He could have said, heart, stop beating. Our life hangs in the balance of God. And it doesn't explain to us how Ur was killed. But it does explain to me unexplained or deaths that come about and we have no explanation for them. We read and hear about marathon runners who die of a heart attack all of a sudden. You go, well, wow, of all the people that should have a strong heart, you would think somebody, a runner would have a strong heart or something. But recently in the Calvary chapels, we've had Chuck Smith die in his sleep. Now, if I had my druthers, that's a good way to go. <laughs> we know that it's appointed unto man to once die. I just don't want to go in a slow, agonizing way, you know? In this verse here, though, it causes me to look upon some death and just simply wonder, did God take that person? It could be a wicked life. Or it could be a life like Chuck Smith. And God simply takes that life. And we don't know why. We don't always know why, or even most of the time know why. But back to Tamar and Judah. Verse 8. Judah directs his second-born son, Onan, to go into his brother's wife and raise up an heir for Ur. Onan agrees... He agrees to go into Tamar and have uh, sexual pleasure with her, but he is not willing to father a child. He wants nothing to do with the responsibility of raising up and supporting a child of his brother's wife. Maybe that's one of the reasons that abortion is so rampant 
in our world today. People not wanting the responsibility of that child that can come about through pleasurable sex. But we read that uh, old man, he omitted on the ground, and that was a bad move for him. For God is displeased with this act by Onan, and God instantly kills him. Judah, in short order, has lost two of his sons, and they both have been killed by God. That would strike fear into the heart of any father. The death of Judah's sons, they get his attention. It causes me to wonder why sometimes I question why this person or that person, uh, you know, have died at such a young age. And uh, we will say uh, they died before their time or something like that. They were cut down in their prime and, and all these kind of things. But these deaths of his son have brought questions to Judah's mind. And so Judah is hesitant for his third son, Sheila, to take Tamar as a wife. Sheila's probably not too excited about that possibility either. <laughs> He's seen his brothers die. So in verse 11, we have Judah telling Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Sheila is grown, and Tamar is obedient to Judah. But time goes by, and Judah's wife she dies. And then we have Judah and his friend Hira going up to a festival of sheep shearing. Sheep shearing was a springtime festival, but it was similar to uh, a fall festival, a harvest or something like that. And they would shear the sheep, and it was a, a gala affair. But Tamar, she hears of the sheep shearing celebration, and she puts on the clothes of a harlot and she sits by the roadside on the way to Timnah, on the way to this festival site. Tamar has seen that Sheila is now a grown man, and Judah has no intentions of giving her this other brother to raise up offspring. And so she makes plans, and she sits by the roadside, dressed as a harlot, waiting for Judah. Judah does come by, and he wants to come into Tamar, but he doesn't know that it's Tamar because she is veiled. And, and they do engage in sex, and, and he then, Judah gives Tamar uh, a promise of a young goat, and uh, she says, well, you don't have the young goat with me. So he says, well, here, take my signet, this bracelet cord, plus my staff. And these are all personal items of Judah. Tamar arises. She goes her way. Judas uh, gets his friend Hiram to take the young goat to find her. But she, Tamar, she can't be found. So Judah tells Hiram, it's okay, my friend. Let's keep this little secret to ourselves. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be shamed. So they keep it to themselves for a while. But about three months later, Judah is told Tamar has played the harlot and is pregnant from harlotry. 
Judah passes instant judgment upon her. Verse 24, bring her out and let her be burned. A little harsh. And as they bring out Tamar out to her doom, she brings forth and produces Judah's signet, his cord, and his staff. And Tamar, she declares, I am pregnant by the man who owns these items, these personal items. And through the events and through the circumstance, we see the hand of God even in this act of sin. God is in this whole episode, and it is a sinful episode. And Judah, he's busted. He has been caught in his own sin. And self-righteous Judas, his whole countenance must drop when he hears that his staff, his signet, and his cord are the man that made her pregnant. He has just pronounced death upon Tamar. Take her out and burn her. And he knows that he is every bit as guilty as Tamar. And everybody is watching to see what Judah will do. How will he respond? But to his credit, he makes no excuse. He could have said, she was dressed up like a harlot. How was I to know? And people would have bought into that. Or I lost two sons that went into her. And, uh, and they're dead because of this woman. But Judah, he came clean. And how good it is to simply repent and confess our sins. And in verse 26, we hear Judah declare, Tamar is more righteous than I because I did not give my son Shelo to her as a husband to raise up children. She's more righteous than I am. And then we read that Judah never knew her again sexually. But Tamar, she's pregnant. And she has twins, and they're Judah's twins. And these twins are Perez and Zerah. And they're mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. These twins are noted. And in this story, we read of the intricate workings of our Lord in the lives of Tamar and Judah. God bringing forth children from people that he wants in the lineage of his son. God wanted Judah in there, and he wanted Tamar in there. And he brings it about. We also read that God killed Ur and Onan. He did not kill them simply because they are evil or we would all be in danger of being killed. But God did not want Onan and Ur in the lineage of his son. That's the only thing I can see there. God simply did not want those two men in the lineage of his son. So God kills them. And this whole story, it's a vivid reminder of the sanctity of life and who holds that life.
Life can be very fragile. The very next breath that we take is at God's discretion. God determines if you'll live to even walk out of here this morning. Molly Ann Dutton was recently elected homecoming queen at Auburn University. You can go on and read, uh, go online and read this story. It's very interesting. I'm only going to go through a brief part of it. But her mother, Molly Ann's mother, was raped, and she became pregnant by this assault. And Molly Ann's natural father, his mother's husband, demanded that she have an abortion, or he was going to divorce her. Her mother sought help. She went to Lifeline Christian Services, a Christian-based adoptions organization in Birmingham, and Molly's mother gave birth to her, and then she put her up for adoption, and she was adopted by a loving family. But Molly became queen, homecoming queen at Auburn. And she ran on the platform of giving life and love to unwanted children. And I thought, wow, how courageous in today's world. But here's what caught me. Here was the quote that came from Molly. I was given grace to carry this story. Wow. I was given grace to carry this story. And a very beautiful young 22-year-old lady at Auburn celebrates life because her mother was not willing to abort her. Put her up for adoption. And this Molly reminds me of Tamar. Tamar. God wanted Tamar in the lineage of his son. Tamar, a woman of God. Tamar, in the lineage of Jesus. Apart from man's opinion of Tamar, God honors her. We would have looked at Tamar and said, well, hey, that's just the way life is, Tamar, you know. God looked at her and he saw something he wanted and he put her in the lineage of his own son. God himself loved Tamar. God himself sought her out. His eyes ran to and fro across the whole earth and he saw Tamar and he wanted her in the lineage of his son. God's eyes have ran to and fro across the whole earth wanting you to be a Christian. That's astounding. He wanted me too. We are blessed, extremely blessed, by the God who gives and takes life that he looked upon us with grace. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, we 
We thank you that you are a God full of mercy and grace. We thank you for looking upon Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba and Ruth, these women who were not Jews, and you brought them into the Jewish faith because you wanted them in the lineage of your son, these Gentile women. And Lord, I thank you for looking at us and wanting us to be your special people. And you, you sent after us by your Holy Spirit. You came and you pursued us and you brought us to be into your family. We thank you for that, Lord. We'll forever praise and glorify you for simply loving us, Lord. So we do. We acknowledge you and we thank you right now, Lord, for your kindness and love to us. Thank you again for being God of a God of wisdom, a God of love. And thank you for loving us. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.